Be turning in your Bibles, book of Ecclesiastes. Come on, Marty. <clears throat> this is uh, this is going to be a little bit of a different study today because uh, Raphael Raphael has assigned us chapter uh, today, chapter seven, eight, nine, and ten. So you can imagine today's going to be a little bit of a different lesson in that it's not going to be just, you know, reading and going through all the uh, material because we certainly couldn't get through all of it. But we're going to center in on what I believe is one of the main themes of the uh, uh, part that we're looking at, and that's the idea of wisdom. And so the title of the lesson is, You Can Be a Wise Person. Amen Amen to that, right? You can be a wise person. Now there's a lot of things about us that simply are never going to change. They are what they are. For instance, you know, I'm, uh, I'm about 5'9". And you know what? I'm pretty sure that I'm never going to be six foot tall. I can pray about it. You know, it isn't going to change. You know what I'm saying? All of us have these kind of things uh, in our lives. Some things about us that that's just the way that it is. We can work hard at many things in life, but we can't necessarily change some basic things about ourselves. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what? I'm, I, and I always use this as an example. I'm really proud of the singers. They do a great job. Some of us should never be on the singing crew. The worship crew is not your calling. And everyone around you knows that, you know. Uh, when you're singing and you notice people doing this around you, uh, th- that you know they're 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 doing that on purpose. Uh, th- that's not going to change for you. You can love music, listen to music, uh, get uh, a, a new CD. You know, uh, it it'll be wonderful. But you should not really sing. <laughs> Because that's not going to change. And you're like, there's many things about our life, that's just the way that it is. But the area of wisdom can change in our life. And for most of us, that is a welcome thought. Hey, I can be a wise person. Not a wise guy. <laughs> but you can be a wise person. Now there's a difference between wisdom an academic ability. Just because someone is academically capable and they can make good grades in school doesn't necessarily mean that they're wise. And a person who probably, uh, in, in some cases, didn't even have a big academic life can in fact be a very wise person. Wisdom knows no gender, uh, uh, you know, uh, men aren't wise and women not. Women aren't wise and men not. There are many, many wise men and many wise women. And it should be a goal in your life to want to be as wise as possible. Right? Because if you're wise, all the applications of life are going to look good for you. You're going to be a better person. You're going to be a better employee or employer. You're going to be a better neighbor. You're going to be a better citizen. You're going to be better at being a husband or wife. You're going to be better at parenting. Larry, work that in there. Being wise or wisdom is going to serve you in all kinds of different ways that probably you can't even imagine in life. So the idea of the the capacity, the possibility 
for you being wise, hopefully, uh, you know, I, I pique your interest here a little bit. Yeah. Hey, this is something very important that maybe I can get into my life. Now, in, in Ecclesiastes 7, 8, 9, and 10, it talks a lot about wisdom. It talks a lot about death. Okay, we're not going to hit that a lot today. It also has things that are incredibly blunt observations about life. Look over at chapter 10 and verse 3. You know, sometimes uh, the Scriptures can be very, very blunt. Uh, And uh, look at this one. You'll really like this, I think. Uh, Chapter 10, verse 3. Even as he walks along the road, or the sidewalk, the fool lacks sense and shows everyone how stupid he is. Wow. Hard to misunderstand that. You know, some people, the longer you're around them, yeah. you're like, wow. yeah, this, this, is a real, this is a real live knucklehead here. <laughs> you know, all they have to do is open their mouth. The longer they talk, the more you know how stupid they are. Isn't it interesting that the Ecclesiastes writer makes that observation about just people in general? So you have, in these four chapters, a lot of really blunt type comments about that, but we're not going to get into that necessarily. I do want us to focus on this idea of wisdom. Now look back to the book of Proverbs, right before Ecclesiastes, to chapter 4. We're going to sort of set the scene here a little bit about wisdom. Wisdom is talked about a lot in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. That's why uh, the Psalms, the Proverbs, the Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon are called the wisdom literature. You didn't know that. Hey, you can write that down. That's free, right there. The wisdom literature. But in, uh, in Proverbs 4, verse 1, uh, we have an interesting thing here because we have three generations of, of people uh, talked about. And uh, we're going to see this here. It says, Listen, my sons. So this is a father speaking to his sons, right? Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. When I was a boy, so he's referring now back to when he was a, a young man, speaking to his children, my, in my father's house, still tender and the only child of my mother, he taught me and he said, so he says, my dad taught me this. So we have a grandfather, a father, and sons represented here. So three generations are being talked about in, in this uh, context. And you can think about your life. Your mom or dad, your grandparents, three different generations that's being uh, referred to here. And this is what the, the grandfather taught the father that the father is now teaching the sons. Notice he says in verse 4 that it starts out with quotations here. So he's going to go quotations from here to the end of verse 9. So here's what the grandfather taught the father, and the father is now wanting to teach his children, his sons. Lay hold of my words. Parents, doesn't that sound familiar? Listen to what I'm trying to tell you. Isn't that a lot about parenting? Just trying to get your children to listen to you. Lay hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Get wisdom. Now, isn't that interesting? Get it. Get understanding. As if this is something that you can obtain. That it's available for you. Do not forget my words or swerve from them. Do not forsake wisdom. She will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. That's the third time he said that. Just get it. Get wisdom. 
Though it cost you all you have, and here's the fourth time, get understanding. Boy, he's really pushing it, didn't he? Esteem her, and she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honor you. She will set a garland of grace on your head and present you with a crown of splendor. That's one of the first things here I want us to understand. Wisdom is attainable. You can be wise. You may never figure out trigonometry. But you can be wise. You know what? At the end of the day, really in real life on a day-to-day basis, is it important that you can do algebra or is it important that you can talk to your kids? In the big scheme of life, is it important that you can diagram a sentence or whether you can communicate with your husband or your wife? Obviously, wisdom has a greater life application than many of the things that seemed important to us in school at one time. Now, for all my students down here, that gives you no excuse not to do your work. Oh, my preacher said I don't have to do school work. Ah, no, no, no. We're not going there. That's not what he's saying. Okay, look uh, over to in the New Testament to the book of James, chapter 1. The New Testament also talks quite a bit about the idea of wisdom. James chapter 1, verse 5. I'll give you a minute to get there. James 1, verse 5. I'm there. Got there? Okay. If any of you lacks wisdom, okay, could that be any of us? Sure it can. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. Wow! Great passage of Scripture. If you lack wisdom, ask God to make you wise. Do you need wisdom? Yes! Do I need wisdom? Yes! God says, ask. Ask me. Let's bow in prayer right now. Father, give us wisdom. We need your wisdom in all applications of our life, from our parenting, to our uh, home lives, to our professional lives, to our neighborhood lives, to our personal lives. Give us the wisdom that you promised. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Look over to chapter 4, or chapter 3 rather. He talks more about wisdom here. By the way, the book of James is fascinating in that in in chapter 1, he talks about all the things that he talks about in chapter 2, 3, 4, and 5. He brings it up in chapter 1 and talks about it more later on in the book. There again, another free one for you. Okay, James chapter 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in humility, in, in the humility that comes from wisdom. Whoa. The humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such, quote, wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you'll find disorder in every evil practice. But, the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, 
full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. He contrasts here the idea of sort of worldly wisdom and heavenly wisdom. You know, there's a lot of things in the, in the world that people would say, hey, if you're really a smart person, if you're really, uh, you know, a clever person, uh, you're going you're gonna to believe this, or you're going to say that, or you're going to have this as one of your principles of life. And many of those things he talks about here, they lead to all kinds of problems among people. He says that kind of wisdom is not wisdom that's from heaven. It's earthly, it's unspiritual, it's wrong. He says, but you know, the kind of wisdom that's really the wisdom from above is things that, that it's, it's like it's peace-loving. You ever get to the point in your home where you just want to have peace? I mean, can we just have peace? We got to live in such a way where we have peace. Considerate. Being considerate to people around you instead of rude, overbearing, selfish. That's wise, living, submissive. That you're willing to actually yield to somebody. You know, hey, we'll go with your opinion. What do you want to do? Instead of always having to have your way about everything. Full of mercy. You know, mercy is one of those good things. Being merciful to someone. You know, yeah, they sort of deserve punishment. Ah, I'm going to let you off the hook. Mercy. Impartial. Doesn't make any difference who you are, where you live. Doesn't make any difference what the color of your skin is. What language you speak, what your culture is. You're just impartial. You're fair to people. That's wisdom. And sincere. You're sincere. You ever see someone that you just doubted their sincerity? You can, you can sort of tell, this person's not real. This is an act. This is what they know they should do, as opposed to who they really are. And so the Bible actually talks a lot about wisdom in, in, uh, in Old Testament and in the New Testament. Okay, what about, where do we get wisdom? Let's talk about three things here, then we'll go back to Ecclesiastes 7. Three ways that we get wisdom in our life. Number one, the Scriptures. We read the Scriptures, like we've done here today. That brings wisdom into our life. We have an understanding of the Scriptures. We hear the Scriptures. If you are not a Bible reader on a daily basis, you need to be a Bible reader on a daily basis in your life. You need to read your Bible at your house, at your chair, at your table, at, at, at wherever, you know, your living room, your dining room, your kitchen, your spot. It needs to be you and your Bible. Whether it's the old-fashioned type, you know, a book, or whether it's electronic, whatever. I like the old book type myself, I have to tell you. I'm on, I, I'm, I'm on my way here with the book. And I, I've got an electronic Bible. I've got two of them, as a matter of fact. And I use them every once in a while. It's a little bit easier. You know, when I used to travel, I'd always have to take my concordance with me. And, uh, you know, that thing's heavy, uh, you know, dra- dragging that thing around. And, uh, you know, uh, you, you take that little electronic thing, it doesn't weigh anything. 
And uh, that, that's a lot easier. So I understand the practical application of all the modern technology and all that. But I also believe that you need to have uh, a Bible that's your Bible, if you understand what I'm saying. You need to be a daily Bible reader. It brings wisdom into your life. Number two, the other way we get wisdom is good counsel. Talking to someone that can help you. We all need people in our life that we can go to and we can talk to and get advice from. I need it. You need it. Now, we need to understand the Scriptures are a great source of advice, counsel. People, I don't care how good they are, are not as good a source as the Scriptures. Not a person in this room that hadn't gotten advice from somebody at one time or another that wasn't good advice. Now, did they mean to give you bad advice? Hey, I'm going to really work this guy over here. Do people really think that? Certainly not. And some of us, some of us here, listen to me here, quickly, listen to me. Some of you, you have bitterness in your heart because you went and got advice. Well, I got advice and it didn't work out. Careful, careful, careful. Because you probably have also given advice. And it may not have worked out as well. Now, sometimes we get, we get this sort of, uh, uh, you know, almost a self-righteousness. Well, I asked for advice and it didn't work out. Well, okay, fine. Understand, that's the nature of getting advice. Going to the Scriptures is, is going to be almost foolproof. If the Bible says you should do it, do it. If the Bible says you shouldn't do it, don't do it! But advice can be very helpful. and We all need advice in our life and it will help us in our life. No, no doubt about it. All of us. The third way here is learning from your good in life and your bad in life decisions that you've made. One of the way, this third way here is important. You actually need to learn. You need to get smarter. Now, just getting older doesn't mean that you get any wiser. Just because you have a birthday doesn't mean you got any wiser. You know, we've all heard about the old fool. Okay, well, why is he an old fool? Well, because he's a fool that's getting older, but he's not getting any wiser. Just because you get older, you know, sometimes when we age, we're like, well, I don't know why people don't treat me with respect. I'm 40 years old. I'm 50 years old. Uh, you know, why don't people treat me with respect? Well, maybe you're just an old knucklehead, you know? Uh, yes, you are older, but you didn't get any wiser along the way. And so people look at your life and they're like, no, oh, no, 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 you know? I'm not sure I want to talk to him. I'm not want to talk. Because they look at the outcome of your life and they say, you know, I'm, I'm not sure I want to go there. So don't get your feelings hurt if you're a little bit older and no one's just fawning over you wanting to get your advice. Maybe they look at your life and they say, I'm not sure I want to get advice from that person. And maybe that's their fault. Maybe they should get advice from you. But I think we've all, as we age, we have to be sobered by the fact that just because we age doesn't mean we get any wiser. But we should learn from our life experiences. There is no virtue in making the same mistake again and again. Can I get an amen out there for somebody? There's no virtue in that. There's no virtue in making the same mistake again and again. Learn! 
See, we, have, we, we, we can become wiser by learning from our life. The good choices we make and the bad choices we make. Both can be markers for us as we go along in life to become wiser. You understand what I'm saying? So that I've given you three ways here you can get wise. Number one is what? Read the Bible. Read the Bible. The Scriptures can bring wisdom into your life. Number two, what? Get advice. Have people you know and trust and love and, 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 and prayerfully they're going to give you good advice. And, and they're certainly motivated to give you good advice. If they do give you advice that doesn't work out, it isn't because they're, they're not wanting to be good to you in almost every case. But, so it's good to have people that we can get advice from. And thirdly here is learn. Learn from your victories and learn from your defeats in life. And hopefully you become wiser as you go along. Now, turn back to Ecclesiastes 7. What I'm going to do here is we're just going to sort of uh, peruse through this passage a little bit. You up for that? You like that word? We're just going to peruse through a little bit. And we're going to read... uh, Actually, there's five different sort of pieces of this that I want us to look at. And it's just just wisdom. This is just wisdom stuff as we go through. Chapter 7... Verse 9. Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit. For anger resides in the lap of fools. Okay, wisdom. What is the wisdom here that Solomon is teaching us? What's he teaching? Don't lose it. <laughs> Don't lose it. It's not wise to make a decision quickly. Not, not wise to make a quick decision. Now, I don't think that's specifically what it's talking about, but you could infer it from that. He's talking specifically about anger, isn't he? Yeah. And being quick-tempered. Let's read it again. Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit. In other words, don't be such a hothead. All the time. You know what? Some of you, and I don't know what the percentage would be, but some of you are hotheads. That, that's your nature. You said that's your tendency. And you say, well, you don't understand. I've got all these reasons why I'm this way. I don't really care. I'm sure it's an engaging story. This passage doesn't say unless you've got all kinds of reasons why you feel that way. It simply says, don't do it. Or, in your case, stop doing it. Don't be quickly provoked in your spirit, in your inner person. That's where anger starts, isn't it? I mean, you, you hear something, something happens, and, and you, it starts building up inside of you. You want to punch somebody. You, you, you feel angered. Do not be quickly provoked. For anger resides in the lap of fools. Now, this is just, this is just clear, blunt. You've got to be a theologian to misunderstand this. This is real life lesson. You're going to and, and apply it to your life now. Let's go through a checklist. Are you going to be a better employee if you apply this to your life? Yes. yes. 
Are you going to be a better employer? Yes. Clearly. Are you going to be a better wife? Yes. Husband? Yes. Are you going to be a better parent? Yes. Are you going to be a better neighbor? Yes. Are you going to be a better citizen? Yes. Are you going to be a better church member? There's virtually not an application of our day-to-day life that this passage of Scripture doesn't make you a wiser person if you will adhere to it in your life. Now here's the thing about all these things, guys. God made us as free moral agents. You say, what the heck does that mean? That means God didn't make you like a computer. You know, your, your computer, your, your uh, uh, electronic thing you got right there. You know what? If you push uh, that button that makes it do that, the, 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 the iPhone doesn't have any decision-making moral judgment about it. It's a machine. You push the button and it does this. People aren't created that way. We are free moral agents. We have choice. Because God made us that way. You can look at this passage and you can say, well, I've always been this way. This is the way I am. You know what? You can live that way. Or you can look at a passage like this and say, you know, I have a tendency to lose my temper. I need to read this passage and be sobered. Because anger resides in the lap of fools. Is that really what you want to be in life? You want to be the village idiot? Is that your goal in life? What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be the village idiot. I want everybody around me to look at me and say, what a... Idiot. <laughs> you know what? Some of us, we, we know people like that. We're related to some of them. <laughs> yeah, oh, you know. Oh, oh, Uncle Bedford, he's an idiot, you know. <laughs> and we may not say that, but, but in our spirit we do. You know, and we, we go for the holidays, we, we stay on the other side of the room from him, and, and that kind of thing. Listen, that, that, that's just good stuff right there, guys. Okay, you, you say, well, we're just getting going here. Look on down to verse 16. You're going to really like this one. This is Margaret's favorite passage. Do not be overrighteous. Oh, you said the Bible said that? Are you kidding me? Do not be overrighteous. Neither be overwise. I say, oh, I thought we we could never OD on wisdom. (laughs) Why destroy yourself? Do not be over wicked. You get the over thing? And do not be a fool. Why die before your time? It is good to grasp the one and not letting go of the other. Right. The man who fears God will avoid all extremes. You want to talk about wisdom? This is the wisdom of balance. Get your life in balance. It doesn't take any sense at all to realize that if a person's life is out of balance, they're in trouble. 
Jesus understood that to be true. He said, what good would it be if someone gained the whole world and lost their soul? What's Jesus teaching there? Well, He's teaching discipleship clearly. But He's he's hitting on the concept of balance. What good would it be if you could have all of this and be totally out of balance? Jesus says, you know, you can have the things of the world that are right and good that have been created for your pleasure anyway, but you shouldn't have those with the idea in mind that I'm going to have these and I'm not going to have any of a right relationship with God. Right. You know, sometimes people say, I don't know if I can give up what I need to give up to be righteous. Right. If you need to give it up, you should give it up. But this passage of Scripture is a wonderful passage of Scripture that's talking about balance. Isn't it wise to balance your professional life and your family life? What good is it if you make a million dollars and you lose your marriage and you lose your children? What good is it? What good is it? It's not worth anything at the end of the day. And those and many of them, those who do it, Regret it. They turn around later in life and they say, I messed it up. Balance is a crucial wisdom to any marriage. I've never known a marriage that's a good marriage that isn't a balanced marriage. Where they realize we've got to work together. The two become one. The two become one because they're balanced then. And they learn to help each other. They learn to overlook the weaknesses and problems. Chris has been married to me for 33 years. I'm telling you, there's no problem that I have she doesn't know by this time. And vice versa. But you learn to accept each other. You learn to look over. You learn to realize, hey, you know what? That's not the most important thing in life to, to focus upon. Yeah. Our life needs to be balanced. Yeah. Just, it's just great wisdom right there, guys. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Let's go a little further on uh, to verse 21. You're going to love this one. Do not pay attention to every word people say. Or you may hear your servant cursing you. Look at this. For you know in your heart that many times you yourself have cursed others. <laughs> you know what this is teaching? Quit being so thin skin. Quit being so touchy. Oh, I heard someone said something about me. <laughs> well, la ti da. There's been several times you said something about her behind her back. Now, was either one of those things right? No. You shouldn't be talking behind someone's back and they shouldn't be talking behind yours. But quit being so sensitive. You ever been around someone that's just so sensitive you feel like almost at any moment you might say something that's just going to blow the whole day up?
You ever known someone like that? How much fun are they to be around? You're like, I just want to get out of the room before I say something that they may be offended by. You know, it's just this is just good wisdom. This is just good wisdom here. You know what? Show a little mental and emotional toughness in life. Quit, quit being so dang easy to offend. Look over chapter eight. Chapter eight and verse and and and, uh, and and chapter nine. I'm going to hit these two together. They're almost on the same side of the page in my Bible. Uh, and there's something we've looked at a lot as we've studied this whole uh, book of Ecclesiastes. Chapter 8, verse 14. There's something else meaningless that occurs on the earth. Right? Righteous men who get what the wicked deserve and wicked men who get what the righteous deserve. This too, I say, is meaningless. So, I commend the enjoyment of life. The enjoyment of life. Because nothing is better for a man under the sun to eat and drink and be glad... The, then, uh, then joy will accompany him in his work all the days that, uh, of, of the life God has given him under the sun. He says, get happy. <laughs> Chapter 9, verse 7. Go, eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart, for it is now that God favors you. <laughs> always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy life with your wife. Or husband, whatever the case might be. Whom you love all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun. All your meaningless days. For this is your lot in life and your toilsome labor under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the grave where you are going, there is neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. Get happy! Live your life with enjoyment. Enjoy your food, he says. I'm going to have lunch with the single leaders. I think we're going to go to Noodle Planet or Noodle World or Noodle something. And and you know what? And and we're going to have noodles and and, and hot good broth. And I'm hungry right now. I can't wait. This is not an advertisement for noodle anything. But you know what? Have some enthusiasm. Be happy about your life. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Man, some of you guys out there, you got to lighten up. Get happy. Find something to get happy about. I can be happy even uh, watching a football game where the team I'm wanting to win is getting beat because I'm sitting in my house watching football. Hey, hey! <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Get some enthusiasms in your life and enjoy it, is what he's saying. Because you know what he says? He says, You're God, you have a, a, a date. Appointed, you're gonna die. There's gonna be a football game I'm gonna miss because I'm gonna be dead. There's a meal I'm gonna miss. It was the next meal. Why isn't Marty eating? He's dead. He's as dead as Theodore Roosevelt. I mean, he's gone. His time is gone. It's over. No more meals. No more football. No more golf. 
No more Chris. So you know what I'm supposed to do according to this passage? This is the wisdom of this passage. I'm to enjoy Chris as much as I can. I'm to enjoy eating as much as I can. I'm I'm going to enjoy football all I can. I'm going to enjoy golf all I can. I'm going to enjoy everything I can all I can. That's the wisdom of life. Get happy. Do something that makes you happy. Some of you need to find something that will make you happy. Man, you're boring. You have nothing you do. What do you do? You, you know, you, 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 you as bland as vanilla. Do something. That's what this passage is teaching here. This is wisdom. Wisdom of life. Okay, let's go further. Last one here. And, and I want to hit this. I know I've gone 36 minutes here, but stay with me on this one because this one's really important. Chapter 10. It talks about bad leadership. All of us, everyone in this room, at one time or another, is with bad leadership. Hopefully not in the church. Uh, but it could be in the church. It could be in school. You could have a teacher, a coach... That's not a good teacher, not a good coach. You, you, you could have a bad school administrator. You, you, you could have a bad boss. You can be in a bad marriage. All of us deal at times in our life with bad leadership. And, and he talks about this. Chapter 10, verse 16. Woe to you, O land whose king was a servant. In other words, the guy who's a king shouldn't be the king. The guy who's in the position of leadership really shouldn't be in the position of leadership, if truth be told. You ever been in a position like that? Bad leadership. And whose princes feast in the morning. In other words, the leadership is doing things they shouldn't be doing. They're living in such a way they shouldn't be living. Blessed are you, O land, whose king is of noble birth or of noble heart. Isn't it good to be under good leadership? Absolutely. Man, we all love it when we're under good leadership. But sometimes we're under bad leadership in life. And whose princes eat at the proper time. In other words, it's good leadership. The guys underneath him, the sort of the sub-leaders, they're doing the right things too. For strength and not for drunkenness. In other words, these guys are good leaders. They're eating you know, so they can actually have nourishment, not so they can get drunk. You understand what I'm saying? That's what he's saying here. He says, if a man is lazy, the rafters sag. This is bad leadership right here. If a man is lazy, the rafters sag. And if his hands are idle, the house leaks. Because you know what? You can tell bad leadership. It just stinks. It's awful. To be under bad leadership. The house is falling down. And the knucklehead can't figure it out. Well, the house is falling down. It's leaking. What's wrong? Oh, well, maybe you should get your lazy butt up there and fix the roof. It's hard to live in a house when it leaks. You understand what I'm saying? But, you know, we, we all under, we're all under bad leadership from time to time. Someone lived in that house that this guy wouldn't take care of. A feast is made for laughter, and wine makes life merry. This is what the bad leader says. A feast is made for laughter. No, food is for eating. 
is to keep your body going. You see, this bad leader, his perspective is, no, everything's a big party for me. It's all about me. And wine makes life merry. But money's the answer for everything. That's bad leadership. No fun to be under that leader. Look what he says here now. Because he talks now through the heart of the person who's really under bad leadership. He says, do not revile the king even in your thoughts. He says, here's what happens when we're under bad leadership. We get a bad attitude. And you know what? I do. I've been under bad leadership. And I'll confess before you as clear as a bell, I've had a bad attitude about it from time to time. It is not easy to be under bad leadership. Whether it's at school, whether it's in a workplace, whether it's in the church, whether it's anywhere it is in life, whether it's the government, it's not easy to be under bad leadership. And we've got to watch our hearts when we are, when we find ourselves in that condition. Isn't it interesting? He's talking about this thousands and thousands of years ago. This is not like it's a new human experience. It's, it's a human experience that's common to all time. He says, do not revile the king even in your thoughts or curse the rich in your bedroom. He says, you've got to be careful about how you bad mouth and at home. Because a bird of the air may carry your words and a bird on the wing may report what you say. He says, you know, basically here in, in life, you've you got to keep your heart in a good place whether you're under good leadership or whether you're under bad leadership of life. And I really urge us to understand that. Maybe your husband isn't the husband you thought he was going to be and you wish you had a husband that was, that was more dynamic or powerful or whatever. You know what? Maybe you need to be grateful about the husband you've got. Because, you know, there's a lot of women that don't have a husband at all. Maybe, you know, they'd like to have yours. You know, all you, all you can do is moan about him. Be grateful you have a husband. And maybe, maybe he isn't all he needs to be. That, that's probably not even arguable. But are you helping the process or are you hurting it by your attitude, by your spirit? We all find ourselves at one time or another in a situation where we wish the leadership above us were doing better than it is. He says here, you need to get your own attitude straight. You need to keep your mouth shut and keep your spirit where it needs to be and handle things in a righteous and good way. Now, once again, that's just wisdom. It's the wisdom of time. It's the wisdom of ages. It's the wisdom of application to real life. The problem with wisdom is that sometimes wisdom rings true for us. We're like, man, you know, I like that. That really hits me right. Sometimes wisdom hits us not right. It hits us right in the nose. Boom! And we have to decide at that moment, am I going to be submissive? Am I going to be compliant to the Word of God? Am I going to listen? Or am I going to reject the wisdom of ages? You know, the Bible is an interesting, uh, interesting book of, of truths. 
Many people today do not want to live by the standards of moral conduct that the Scriptures teach. And we, are, we see our society more and more going away from what the Bible teaches. Those of us who know the Bible well can see the process going on all around us. The wisdom of the ages, the wisdom of God stands firm. The more we as people deviate from the Word of God, the more we're going to pay the price today and tomorrow. Wisdom is something in our life that we need to have. Wisdom is something in our life that we need to attain. Wisdom is something in our life we need to pass on to those around us, especially those of us who are parents, to our children. I hope our study today has been helpful for you. And I hope that in the midst of uh, the practical applications of it that we can say, wow, uh, I, I can be wise. And that's why the Scriptures tell me to get wisdom. Next week we'll finish uh, out our study of Ecclesiastes. Uh, we're going to all be in there together next week. Uh, Raphael's going to be preaching over at Turning Point uh, next Sunday morning. Uh, he's all excited about that. And so everybody, the, the Spanish and the English, are going to stay in the gymnasium next week. And I'm going to be uh, closing out with chapter 11 and chapter 12. And we'll conclude our, our study of Ecclesiastes. Hope it's been a fun study for you. Have a great day. God bless.